You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. Jesus spent much of his time with people around tables. With his followers, he ate, he celebrated, and he cherished his time together with them. Yet at those same tables, he was often judged, questioned, and challenged. However, at every meal, Jesus ministered to the people who sought him out. In this series, we ask ourselves the question, what awaits me at the table of my Lord? Good morning. Thank you for joining us again, even though you're at home and we're continuing to be grateful that we can provide this for you. And as you can tell, it's a little bit different. KT's with me this morning. And actually, for the next five weeks, we're going to be preaching together. I approached KT several weeks back about the idea of doing this. We're going to do it both in person on Sunday morning and also for the video. And I'm looking forward to it. I never tried that before to kind of team preaching, but looking forward to it. And we've been talking about how we want to do it. So you're maybe our guinea pig. Sorry for that. But hopefully it'll... It's a good text. There's no doubt about yeah. that. And hopefully we can present a good lesson based on it. It'll be good. Uh, the series this for the next five weeks is Table of My Lord. And in the Gospel of Luke, which is what we're in, as we're kind of reading through the Gospel stories this year, the Gospel of Luke focuses and points out several instances of Jesus having meals. It's one of the big themes of Luke. And, and when Jesus is at a meal, he teaches uh, we see a story unfold. We see a significant theme. And if we're talking about just kind of going through the Gospel of Luke, and we're just hitting the big points, obviously, we can't do it all in 13 weeks. But some of the big points I see are all centered around the meal. So we're going to start this week with uh, a table that Jesus gets invited to at the house of Levi, the tax collector. In Luke chapter 5, we are introduced to this character, Levi, this person who uh, we are told is simply a tax collector. And that may not mean a whole lot to us. In fact, uh, it makes me think of my cousin who's uh, somebody who does my taxes for me. He doesn't collect them necessarily, but uh, he does prepare my taxes for me. And I seem to think he's a pretty nice guy. He's somebody that uh, I have a good friendship with and, and a good bond with and everything. But in this time, a tax collector, as many of us know, was somebody who really wasn't that in high esteem with others, right? They were very much looked down upon because this is a Jewish person who is going around on behalf of Rome asking other Jews to essentially pay up. Uh, give me your money so that I can pay Rome. And a lot of times that meant that in order for me as the tax collector to make money, I would end up having to take more than I needed and keep some of that so that I could pay Rome what they needed. And so we see this person, Levi, a tax collector, somebody who is already looked down upon by so many. Uh, in, in this situation, he has invited Jesus over to his home for a meal. It's after Jesus has said, come follow me. And they go to the house of Levi, a house where it's a lot different from where we're used to living. Here in America, in our culture, we put up walls between uh, every room and every room of the house. And it's very difficult. 
are very rare, I would say, to ever go to the outside of somebody's house and ever look in and see anyone even in there. A lot of times we have curtains blocking the windows or even shutters. Uh, not at Colby's house, of course, <laughs> as Lisa apparently has taken down all of the all of the curtains, which I could not live with personally. <laughs> I, I like the privacy, but in their culture, it's not that they had a lot of windows or anything, but it was a much more open sort of house. And so it was kind of a thing of honor for you to be able to show off to those passing by who was eating at your table at your house. And so Jesus goes to this tax collector's house, this man Levi, and he's eating amongst these people who, in the Jewish culture, other tables they would not be welcome at. Jesus is open to sitting down and eating with them, and it raises a question with the Jewish leaders of the time, the Pharisees. We read in verse 30 that they say this, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? That's a significant question that shows the heart and the attitude of the Pharisees, but even more significant that I think Luke is inviting us to think about is this term grumbling. My translation says he, they complained. That uh, This is a, a, a significant word in the whole story of Scripture because you go all the way back to the story of Moses, Israelites coming out of uh, the, the Red Sea crossing over, and they're hardly on the other side of the Red Sea whenever they start to grumble, when they complain. So God has done this amazing thing, and they get a little bit hungry, get a little bit thirsty, get a little bit discontent, and they grumble and they complain. And that grumbling and complaining actually had a large part with the wilderness wanderers. For 40 years they wandered, and that whole generation died in the wilderness, except for Joshua and Caleb, because of their unfaithfulness to believe that God could deliver them. And also, we're told, they're complaining. They're grumbling that this was not pleasing to God, because what grumbling was showing was, God, I don't like how you're doing things. God, you're doing things a certain way. I don't like it. And just like whenever you know we set food before our kids... And I'll be honest, sometimes Lisa set food before me and I might have had some critiques to <laughs> offer. <laughs> that hasn't always been all that, you know, that hasn't helped my marriage to thrive. I'll right. just say that. So uh, for all you husbands out there, that, uh, it's better to, re we know, it's better to receive with thankfulness, but. That's not what the Israelites were doing. They were grumbling and complaining because what was God was doing and even doing for them, it wasn't quite what they wanted. So that translates so amazingly well and, and shines a light here on what Jesus is doing this amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Jesus is interacting with people and showing God's love and inviting people to have a relationship with God. All things we say, those are good things. That's what you know, following God's all about, but he's doing it in a way the Pharisees don't like. And they grumble. And this isn't the only time they grumble. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear him, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining, grumbling. Same exact word. Uh, they're doing it again. And the same issue is at stake. He's with sinners. He's with tax collectors. And Luke 15 then tells three parables, one of which is very famous, the parable of the prodigal son. And the first one is the parable of the lost sheep. 
I want to focus a little bit on starting in verse 8, the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search thoroughly until she finds it? Then, when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Small story, this lady has coins. She loses one. She has ten. And just like the sheep, the guy had 99, well, what's one? Well, think back to this, again, time, different time, different houses, different culture. And this woman probably did not have a lot. When a woman got married, her husband owned everything. He owned the land. He owned the business. He owned uh, virtually all of it. And so a woman had very little and often nothing. But a tradition that developed in their culture was for the mother to pass on to her daughter something of value, something that she could fall back on if things went bad, if uh, her husband died and left her a widow without children, or even worse, who cast her away and divorced her, which Jesus talks about that too. But this, so, so mothers, of course, loving their daughters, trying to give their daughter something in a world that gave very little to women. These coins would have been maybe the only thing this woman had from her mother, that to cherish her mother's memory that she was going to pass on to her daughters. And also her financial backup plan if something went wrong in her life. Maybe her husband died before she had children. So these are valuable monetarily, but they're also important to her from a a sense of memory, a sense of just like any family heirloom. And so she turns her house upside down to find it, as any of us would with something precious to us and something that we're invested in that matters to us. And yeah, she's got nine left, but she doesn't want to tell her daughter, well, there was 10, but here's nine. Sorry, hon, I lost one. Couldn't be bothered to find it. No, she, she digs for it. She looks for it. She sweeps until she finds it. And then she celebrates. And I think that celebration especially connects us to Jesus because Jesus wasn't just in Levi's house going, all right, when this is going to be over, um, hanging out with you losers. I mean, that wasn't Jesus. That's never Jesus. Jesus was celebrating. Jesus gladly, he wasn't kind of ducking low as people walked by on the outside of the street. No, he was, he was glad to be in Levi's house because Levi had done something. Something worth rejoicing about, something that Luke 15 mentions in that last verse. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Levi had repented. And that's an incredible part of the story that Jesus, even in Luke 15, points out how they rejoice. He rejoices over a sinner coming and repenting. And he says the same thing in Luke chapter 5 we read. And to the answer to answer the question of the Pharisees there, they said, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, verse thirty one, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And as Colby said, that's exactly what Levi does. Levi is invited to the table of his Lord. He is invited to come to that table, and what that means is that he has to get up from his own table. In a way, he has to get up from the table of the tax collector. 
that tax collector booth filled with money, filled with many things that I would dare say Levi may have liked. It's nice to have, (laughs) yeah, it's nice to have some money. As the great philosopher Groucho Marx said, money may not be able to buy you happiness, but it does allow you to choose your own form of misery. And so in a way, Levi is able to choose his own form of misery, even if it doesn't buy him happiness. But he still had to get up from that table. Whatever things enticed him about it, whatever things looked good to him and things that he enjoyed, he had to say, you know what? I need to get up from this table in order to go to the table that Jesus has called me to. And in a way, that's repentance. Choosing to turn. A lot of times we say it's that 180 degrees that you're going this way and you turn and start going the other direction. For a sinner, for somebody who is away from God, what that means is turning away both in heart and mind and in action from that life of sin and saying, I'm going to walk towards Jesus. I'm going to truly follow after him. So for us, as we hear about not only the acceptance that Jesus offers us at his table, but really the rejoicing and the celebration that he offers to us whenever we as sinners get up from the table that we're at and we repent and we come to him, the great physician. Really, it's bringing to question what is at our table? What is it that we have to leave behind. The table of my Lord is a beautiful thing. It's full of acceptance and rejoicing and celebration for a sinner to come to his table. But oftentimes we get distracted by that table from our past, that table that looks good. And so for us this morning, as we bring this to a close, I hope you've enjoyed this format. I would encourage you, uh, let us know what you think, but also I would challenge you if you're still sitting at that table, whatever that table may be, no matter how much you like it, I encourage you, get up from that table. Come to the table of my Lord, where you'll find acceptance and celebration. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you do accept us, just like you accepted Levi. And we don't have to be perfect, Father, but we have to get up from where we're at and follow you. Help us to do that. Make us faithful. Uh, make us eager to leave behind what needs to be left behind and to latch on to all the good things available when we're at your table. Thank you, Father, for this day and for this moment and for this message. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.